didn't say that, but whatever. So welcome back, guys. Episode six of What's the Catch? We got a little new situation going on. We're on Zoom for, for the first time ever. It will continue to be on Zoom because the co-host Kyle is going back to college, so he won't be able to come over and do the podcast in person. But Kyle today can't be on the show, so we brought in a guest star, Egan Adler, known him my whole life pretty much. He goes to ASU for sports journalism, so he's very well in this field. He knows a lot about this, so Egan, say what's up. What's going on? I'm excited to be here on What's the Catch. Really impressed on what you guys have been doing so far, episode six. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, we, got, we don't got that much to talk about this week. You know, it's kind of in the middle of everything. Basketball is the main sport right now. Football is coming to an end. Baseball is starting to get a little more, more signings, the MV, not the MVP, Hall of Fame stuff. So we'll start off with the basketball and the Bradley Beal discussion. I mean, Egan, what do you think about that? Well, Bradley Beal's in a very difficult situation, right? Wizards yeah, have been the worst team in the NBA up to this point. Were they like 3-11 and 11 or something yeah. along those lines? Yeah. Beal's averaging 35 right now. He's been the best scorer in the league this year. And there's been constant times where we have seen him put his hands over his head <laughs> watching the game. It's been terrible. It's been horrible in Washington. And it looks like Beal wants out. The Wizards haven't made that kind of – go yet they haven't turned the trigger but we'll see what's going to happen it, it doesn't look like he wants out he definitely wants out I mean someone asked him are you frustrated with Washington struggles and he said is the sky blue like obviously if you're a competitor like that and you're at the top of your game you're going to want out I mean Bradley Beal has been tearing up the league and I think he deserves a fair shot at a at a chip I mean and Westbrook is just not the same I mean he's terrible this year I got awful Houston made a great trade getting rid of him, in my opinion. I don't know about you. Well, yeah, the trade is – I mean, it's, it's looking like Houston is fitting well with John Wall, and John Wall is loving that new yeah. spot. And Westbrook's been kind of heard in a little bit of the resting going on. He hasn't played his best basketball. But the interesting part about Beal is how well he fits in with different teams. He's mm -hmm. such an elite off-the-ball player and on-the-ball player, a great shooter, can create his own shot. And he's, like, one of the best players in the NBA. He's a top 25 player. And he's the type of guy that you can add to a contending team to put them to that championship level. Yeah, because everyone nowadays seems like needs a big three. I mean, it started with Steph, Clay, and you could say Draymond. That was the original big three. And then they got KD, with, which put them over the edge. And then you see Brooklyn forming their big three. You got KD, Harden, Kyrie. They're looking all right. And – I think the perfect fit is the Lakers with AD and LeBron. I mean, I don't know how they would make it work, but I don't see that team losing in the finals. I already got the Lakers winning again against the Nets with their big three. If they get Beal, it just puts them over the top. Oh, 100%. If Beal's on the Lakers team, that may be one of the greatest teams of all time. Yeah, this it's is crazy. It's currently – they're the best team in the league right now. Yeah, I know. And, like, you see the Nets with these superstars, but – I'm still taking LeBron and AD over them. It's just, they just mesh so well. And the team goes so deep. They got Schroeder. They got Harrell. They got Kuzma. They got so many players. They got so many options. I, I just don't see the bench of the Nets and the Stars keeping up with that. I don't know. Well, yeah, the defense has been an issue in Brooklyn so far early in this uh, Kyrie, Harden, Durant era. And that's the difference with the Lakers. They're a top three defensive team in the league. And they got... AD, who's a top three defensive player, and LeBron, who's obviously LeBron. 
But I don't think that they're going to have the pieces to get Beal. I just really don't. The first round picks are kind of meaningless. I don't even know how many they even have for the future years coming. They don't have those young talent like they had with Ingram and Ball that they could, you know, get. Like they trade, they they made that deal. They got they got AD. They made that big deal. I don't think the Lakers, as as great as a fit as it would be, I don't see the Lakers pulling the trigger. I don't see the Wizards accepting a deal from them. My dream scenario for Bradley Beal, and I think the best fit for him, is Miami. Really? Oh, 100%. Miami with Jimmy Butler, Beal, and uh, Bam Adebayo. I can't even say his name. (laughs) The three of them together, they're missing that best score. As good as Butler is, as good as Bam is, none of them are elite, elite scorers. Beal is. And they have the package to do it. I see see a deal around Tyler Hero, Mm -hmm. Duncan Robinson, and then Mm -hmm. Precious Okanawe, whatever his last name is. And if you put three first-round picks in there, I see Washington accepting that deal, and I see Beal as a Miami Heat. Yeah, it, that deal would definitely have to involve Hero. Hero's got to go. And, I mean, if you're Miami, you want, you want the proven player. I think you go with the proven player 100%. You made, the, you made the finals last year. You came short. That's what you're missing. And Beal will provide that, too. He's a proven scorer. He's good on defense. He, he's always playing. I mean, him and Jimmy will match very well. And then you got Bam in the middle, just clearing, clearing it out. I mean, getting all the rebounds, playing defense. And I think that team will be – it will have a good shot at making the finals again. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. But I think that's a good fit for him. I don't think the Clippers is a good fit for Beal, personally. I don't really like him on the Clippers. No, I, they, they also don't have the pieces to get the deal done. Yeah, I, I think, I think it, next best to the heat of having the pieces – is actually the Lakers because you could package Schroeder and Harrell and then the first round picks, maybe even Kuzma. But I don't know if the Lakers would even do that. And I don't know if the Wizards would do that, actually. No, they wouldn't do it just because those aren't young guys on good contracts. They're older now, like Schroeder and Harrell are kind of late 20s and Schroeder's past that being that young guy. And yeah. that's what the Miami can offer. Them. Miami yeah. can offer a hero who was one of the best rookies in the league this year and has played very good last year and has played very good this year. They can offer Robinson, who's become one of the best three-pointers. They can offer those three first-round picks. And he fits. Him playing off the ball in Miami with Goran Dragic, who's great at giving the ball around. Yeah, he's a great player, too. Player. They have such a good defensive core. And if you can put an offensive guy like Beal, who I just think off the ball, the efficiency rating of him shooting and getting a shot will be astronomical. I really I mean, like it. Yeah, I, I could see them going, going far again. I mean, who says they can't go to the finals again? I mean, who says they can't beat the Nets if they get that, you know? I mean, Oh, exactly. Like, the Nets are good, but like you said, they struggled with defense all year. We saw a young Colin Sexton destroy them. And, and Bradley Beal is better. I mean, it's just – the Nets have to figure some things out. And – Say Beal does go to the Lakers, I think the Nets just truly threw away their future for nothing. I mean well, – I wouldn't go that far. They got hard. And I think the Nets need interior presence. That's their biggest issue. Because Jordan's been kind of playing soft as a rim protector. They need rim protecting. They need paint presence. That's what they need. They were talking about a deal with JaVale McGee or maybe with Kevin Love with Cleveland, which would be a very good fit for both of those guys if they didn't end up in Brooklyn. But for Beal, I'm thinking he's going to either Miami – I like Dallas. I think Dallas is another option. 
Okay. And even and even New Orleans. I think New Orleans could potentially be another option for Beal. Like trade Lonzo and them? Like, yeah. I, I, I know they want to get rid of Lonzo. And now Lonzo that, that. Well, and they have those first-round picks from Milwaukee now that yeah. they traded Drew Holiday. So they have a lot of draft cap capital, and they have young players. Ball, who is yeah, still – Zion. Yeah, I, well, I don't think they'll – they wouldn't no, trade B.I. No, or Zion. Trade him, but I'm saying if they got Beal, they would have, like – Right? A good team to develop around. You know what I mean? Well, I'm thinking if you give a deal something around Jackson Hayes and Lonzo Ball, and then you yeah. put a couple first-rounders in there, I can see a potential deal in the making. And the, and the New Orleans is already a good team, and that's what I was trying to say. Like, with Beal, you would then have Zion and B.I., and I feel like that would help B.I.'s game improve because him and Zion, like, they kind of try to control the offense, and with Beal, he would take some of the pressure off because he's such a good scorer. And it would give them more wide open shots like BI and this. Yeah, it, it 100% spread the floor, right? And, yeah. and, New Orleans, and New Orleans is missing that. They're missing that extra elite playmaker and not just playmaker in the terms of passing, but playmaker and creating his own shot. Ingram's very good at it. Zion's very good at getting in the paint. But nobody yeah. can, neither of them are the caliber player that Beal is. Yeah, and that's why I think Beal really needs to get out, in my opinion. And another person who needs to get out is actually Drummond. I mean, I, I'm hearing, like, Drummond's unhappy. I think they're kind of moving on to Jared Allen, in a way. I mean, what do you think they do with Drummond? Well, Drummond's an interesting case. It was a very surprising deal last year that the Pistons flipped him to Cleveland. Nobody yeah. expected it coming, especially because Cleveland always kind of has a logjam at that big man position. And Drummond's mm -hmm. one of the best rebounders in the game. Yeah. He probably always is the best been. rebounder in the always game. Always has been. Every year, he leads the league in rebounds. I mean, it's just incredible what he does. You know what no, I mean? No, Drummond's a great player, but Allen's the future. We all know that. Drummond's going to demand a contract in the offseason. I'm interested to see what they do with him. I don't know what you can get for him because he's kind of that middle type of guy that takes up the salary of a max contract but isn't good enough to be a max contract. So okay. he's kind of that middle caliber guy, but it's, it should be interesting to see what Cleveland does, especially that Cleveland's been competing in the East. Yeah, Cle Cleveland's looking I, – I tweeted it. I tweeted I really like their young core. I mean, I love Sexton. I really think Sexton. Maybe because he's on my fantasy team might be a little biased, but he's a great player. And then they got Garland and they got Jared Allen. I mean, they got a future. You can't say they don't have a future. I mean, that no, would 100%. be unfair. 100%. Sexton is a baller, man. Sexton is a Sexton baller. He is a baller. I mean, and he, he, he really didn't like – take those steps at first and people were like oh my god it's just Colin Sexton but like everyone should have known he 3v5 people in college like oh my if, god if you do that you gotta be a baller I mean come on you're going three against five I don't care and he's fatigued the whole game come on he was a I, demon at Alabama I mean I think he's he's, great coaching I, there too though and he's also he's starting to show like that Sexton you know, he's starting to show he is that guy. You know, he's the guy for Cleveland. He's the future. And I think packaging Drummond, I don't know what they could get. Like you said, I heard maybe Drummond to the Nets, but I don't think that's realistic. I really don't. I mean, who knows where he would go? The Nets do need a big man. If they get him, that could be interesting because he is one of the best rebounders. He'll help them on defense a little. Because DeAndre Jordan has been struggling this year. Not been a good player. I mean, it could go with age, but he's just not been the greatest. So, we'll see. I mean, next, we'll talk about your Sixers. 
and the Lakers game. What'd you think about that? I know you were you were going crazy, Mister Tobias Harris, coming up in the clutch. Three seconds left in the game, gets the matchup on Caruso, the matchup that everybody wanted if you're a Sixers fan, and he hits that fadeaway jumper, that little step-back fadeaway. <laughs> clean. You just saw the swoosh, and it just looks so clean. The Sixers, I think right now, they're the number one team in the East. They just beat the number one team in the league on primetime. Everybody keeps calling them out. Everybody keeps saying that they haven't competed in the playoffs, which is true. They haven't got there yet. They haven't gotten past that. They're young. They are young. And I don't like the slander that the Sixers get. And this is why. <laughs> this is why. One, they have a rebuilt front office with okay. Daryl Morey. They have a new coach in Doc Rivers who is one of the best in the business, has won a championship, never got over that hump with L.A. But, again, yeah, he, was consistently, he was consistently in the playoffs, and he took a Boston team in 2008 and won a world championship. Second, look at that starting lineup in that rotation. The Sixers have never had that much depth. And they finally put the right guys around Simmons and Embiid to succeed. Seth Curry has been one of the best shooters in the league so far. Danny Green has struggled at times, but he's played his role really well. Dwight Howard coming off great off the bench. Tyrese Maxey, their rookie, has played great. Tobias Harris has developed his defensive game to a new level while putting up 20 points a game. This is a well-rounded, good rotational team that's been playing good basketball and has the MVP of basketball right now at Joel Embiid at center. Oh, God. All right, so let's talk about this game. I mean, I know during the offseason, me and you talk a lot, and we were talking, and you were like, the Sixers need a 3 and D guy. That's who they need. They need the, they need the three ball, because when you got a point guard who can't shoot and Ben Simmons, you need the three ball. And I think Seth Curry has done amazing with that. Danny Green, we have seen struggle. I mean, everyone sees the videos of him going to the fans. Oh, I still got rings, though. But that's not what you should be focusing on right now, Danny Green. You should be focused on winning a ring with this team. And they did just beat the best team in basketball, in my opinion, too. In Crazy stat for you. Crazy stat for you. Joel Embiid is shooting better from, from three than Stephen Curry. Is he really? He's shooting 40% right now. Curry's at 39. Seth Curry is third in the league, I think, at 51% from three. This team I mean, is super good. They can spread the floor. They have depth. They have defensive presence from bench to top with Thibault coming off the bench. Simmons is a top 10 defender. Embiid's a top five defender. Danny Green's great at it. Harris is great. This team is super good. I mean, Joel Embiid is a maniac on defense. He's a maniac. Same with Ben Simmons. I, am, I, am, I like Ben Simmons. I'm a proud fan of Ben Simmons. I think if he can develop a shot, I don't know how he has it. I don't know what he's doing. He's got to develop it. Even a decent shot. I mean, he doesn't have to make it all the time. But I think Ben Simmons has such a good build. And especially the way he can pass the ball, it's incredible at his size. I mean, he's like a Walmart version of LeBron, in my opinion. I he mean, is. That might be- that might be a crazy take. I don't know. It it's not. He's the young but, king, bro. That's what LeBron was calling him. LeBron was calling him the young king. I, I think if he can develop a decent shot, he will be dominating the league for years. And I'm happy they didn't trade for Harden. I didn't want them to trade Me for Harden. Me too. I didn't want them to trade for Harden. I love Simmons. He's 24 and Biddy is 26. You have to give this team the chance to compete in the playoffs. The past two years, two years ago, they took the eventual champions, Raptors, to game seven on the last shot. And last year they were hurt. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And last year, the whole rotation was hurt. Simmons didn't play. It was just a mess, and, and Brett Brown got fired. But this year, watch out for the Sixers. I said on my other, my other podcast, my basketball podcast, that my hot take for the year was the Sixers were going to finish with the one seed in the East and at least make the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm fairly confident to say that I still believe that's going to happen. Okay, so let me ask you this. So say they don't make the Eastern Conference Finals. You think it's a disappointment of the year? Yes, 100%. I don't, I, at that point, though, I wouldn't say blow it up. I don't say blow yeah, it up. No, I don't, you, can't, you can't blow it up. You give this core two to three years a window to compete, but they, an Eastern Conference Finals appearance is a necessity for the Sixers this year. The Nets? Nets are bucks right now. I, I'm, I'm a little worried about the Nets because the defense worries me. As you can shoot all day, but what happens when that one day when you're not – those shots aren't falling, right? You have to – you, can, all, you yeah. can always rely on defense in basketball. Defense is day in and day out. Offense can come and go at times. I mean, they don't say defense wins championships for no reason. And exactly. Say, say if the Nets do match up against the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals, I think the Nets are at a disadvantage in a way. I mean, you could put Embiid on anyone. You could put Simmons on anyone. I mean, the, and you could put Harris on Kyrie. I would say you could put him on Kyrie. I think he would. Be no, you would. You you would probably you would probably put Simmons on Harden. I would say yeah. Simmons on Harden. You would KD put Harris. You would put no. You probably put Harris on Durant because Embiid's too big. He, he's, Durant's too quick. Embiid would just play your help on in on the drive. You would okay. even honestly, you might slide my uh, Matisse Thybul into that lineup. Maybe you'd give Thibault the matchup on Harden and put Simmons on Durant. And you put Dan Green on Kyrie. I was thinking thinking you put Simmons on Durant. I think that's your best shot because Simmons is the size. He can move his back. That's the only thing. I mean, they have a great matchup, but Embiid's one of the best defenders. But the thing is, Katie can shoot lights out. So, like, you need need someone like Simmons who could stay with him to help and stuff, you know? Well, either way, you're not stopping. You're not stopping Harden, Kyrie, and Durant from scoring, right? Oh yeah, you gotta score. But you gotta be able to score. You're not stopping them from scoring, but you can do enough to control it, yeah. which is going to be the most important part for the Sixers, right? It's going to be controlling teams on defense and getting good shots on offense, playing good basketball, smart team basketball, and that's their recipe for success. Yeah, I, I think the Sixers definitely have a chance this year. Let's look on the other side, the Western Conference. The Lakers, you can't – they didn't play bad last night. You lose on a game winner, can, you can't be that terrible. You can't be that mad, I mean. I mean, Anthony Davis has been in a little bit of a slump recently. I think LeBron's got to pick him up. But you would want – you want a player to slump now. You don't want a player to slump at the end of the year or in the playoffs, in the finals. You want them to slump at the beginning of the year where nothing's really on the line. I mean, the Lakers are a great team and a great organization. They're going to find a way to make the playoffs, especially with LeBron in the lineup. Uh, they'll probably finish as the one seed. They'll easily make the – they have the best plus-minus differentiate yeah. in yeah. basketball right now. They are by far – it's not even close to the best team in basketball. Oh, yeah. Even, I think they'll finish at the one seed, but even if they don't, they're still the favorite out of the West. A lot of exciting things in – L.A. for both teams, Clippers and Lakers, are two of the top three teams in the West. But the most interesting thing in the West right now is how the Nuggets are faring, as well as Jokic has been playing. He's playing at an MVP level. 
and yeah, they struggled a little bit out of the gate. They kind of gotten hot late. They've won five in a row. It's going to be really interesting to see three, four, five, six in the West, right? Because you probably have Clippers and Lakers one, too. But then yeah. you have the Jazz. You have the Mavericks. You have Portland. You have Denver. Even Houston, if they can make a rise back in the standings. There's a lot of interesting things going on in the West from three to, honestly, eight. I mean, even the Jazz have been playing great without Donovan Mitchell. I mean, they're missing their best player, and they're winning. I mean, sure, they played the Knicks, but the Knicks have been playing good, too. The Knicks have been playing fairly well. Knicks are the best defensive team in basketball this year as of right now. I mean, you have have to worry about the Jazz. You can't count the Jazz out. You can't count the Nuggets out, like you said. They just got back Michael Porter Jr., and you can't forget they made the Western Conference Finals last year. Came back from 3-1 twice or three times, I'm pretty sure. Like, like you can't – and Jokic, like you said, is playing ridiculous. I mean, it's him or Embiid right now for the MVPs. Everyone knows that. I mean, it's also early in the season. Was it 20 games in? But, like, then you got Jamal Murray. You got Michael Porter Jr. back. I just think you, – you think, like you said, Clippers and Lakers won two. But – you can't count these lower seeds out. And we saw that last year when the Clippers got too confident and they they blew the lead. Like, everyone wanted the Lakers-Clipper matchup. But if you if you count a team out and play down to them, it's never going to work. And that's what Doc Rivers did wrong with the Clippers in the playoffs last year. He didn't tell them, keep your foot on the gas. He let them slow down. I mean, yeah, the playoff P was showing. I mean, Paul George, he has something to prove Pan- this year. Pandemic P? Yes, he has something to prove this year in the playoffs, and he knows that. I he's see been proving it so far this year. He's been very, very good this year. I mean, he, he's been saying all over the media, I know I got something to prove. I know and I he's got been proving it. He's been proving yeah, everybody wrong, as he should. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see. But I think that's enough on basketball. I mean, next we'll talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame inductions. I know you were excited about that and how interesting that was. I mean, what do you think? Did you think that – um? Kurt Schilling and Barry Bond should have made it, or no? It's a very difficult subject to kind of make a decision on, right? I was very excited on Tuesday to see the Hall of Fame results. It, I was not surprised. I didn't think anybody was going to get in. If anybody was going to get in, it was going to be Schilling. Okay. And the cases between Schilling and then Bonds and Clemens are similar, but just so different at the same time, right? Because Schilling – Bonds and Clemens, no doubt, all three of them have the statistics to be Major League Baseball Hall of Famers. Clemens and Bonds obviously are two of the top 10 greatest players to ever do it. And Schilling's probably the greatest postseason pitcher to ever throw his name. I think he's like an 11 and 1 in the postseason with a sub ERA, sub 2 ERA, and he has the bloody, the bloody sock game, which is one of the most famous postseason pitching performances ever. But for Schilling, his issue is the off the field issues. Obviously, Schilling is known to honestly to say it in the best way possible he is a disgusting man he has said honestly some very disturbing things that you just do not want to hear out of any human being he's been called racist and homophobic and all those type of things and there is very much truth to those sayings but the difference between Schilling and Bonds and Clemens is Schilling didn't cheat and Kurt Schilling no matter the type of man he may be off the field, he deserves to be in the hall based off of his playing career. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any other argument that you could really say that Schilling doesn't belong to be there. Okay, but do you think, like, 
going into the voting, like, do you think they take into account like off the field stuff? Like, oh well, that's that's the only if Schilling didn't have off the field like commentary issues, he would have gotten 95, 90% of the vote. Oh, you, you yeah. really think that way? Oh, you he, think he, he would have been, he would have been a first or second ballot hall of famer. So and I, he's, he's pretty, he was, he was that, that good. Make it, right? Well, Schilling said, he said, he yeah. told the baseball writers, he requested his name to be taken off the ballot. He said, quote unquote, take me off the ballot. Give me to the veterans committee where there's actually smart guys making decisions. So it's, it sounds like he's annoyed, but if you're that great of a player, you deserve, you feel like you deserve the recognition. And if even off, I guess you have to nowadays, especially take into account off the field antics. I mean, if you're going based off playing ability, like you said, he'd probably be in there, but he definitely. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. But, but like, I guess you got to watch what you're saying. And we know that in this day and age, everyone knows that. And you can't just be making those like comments like that. And I guess he grew up in a different era, so maybe that goes. It's not it. even that. It's not even a different era thing because Schilling knows Schilling should be in the hall. But you know what's different about Schilling? When he if he gets in the hall and he does deserve to be there, unlike other players, you're going to see his name in the first ten minutes. Chris Rose, he on from Intentional Talk on MLB Network, he said yeah. it best. He said, "If you see Schilling in there." What I'm going to tell my kids, the first 10 minutes is I'm going to tell them how disgusting of a human being Kurt Schilling is. And then that last minute is going to be about his baseball career. Yes, he and, deserves to be yeah. there. And yes, he will be treated the way he it deserves to be treated because he is talking so nasty about certain groups of people. But he deserves to be in the hall. His face deserves a plaque. Yeah, I know. But like, like we said, you just got to watch what you say. I mean – like you said about that story, that's what he's going to be remembered as now. Sure, you could be the greatest pitcher of all time. Like, I'm not saying he is, but you could. And if you're off the field doing terrible things, what are you going to be remembered as? It takes one bad thing to be remembered as a terrible person. You could do a million good things, but that's just how society is. And that definitely affected him and has affected his life now because he's upset. He's like, I'm a great baseball player. I should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But you weren't a great person. So we'll see how it goes. We will. And Bonds and Clemens are honestly the more polarizing topics because obviously they cheated. Obviously they text stories. Nobody is even debating it. And (laughs) Bonds and Clemens have been very quiet about this whole process because they know they cheated. And they know that anything they say will only hurt their case further. And many people argue – Bonds, Clemens, Hall of Famers, and nobody's doubting that they're two of the top 10 players ever. But Major League Baseball right now is setting a precedent for the future. If you cheat, if you take advantage of our PED system, like they did, because in 1991, PEDs were banned from the sport. So they knew what they were doing was illegal. If you take advantage of it, you will not be in the hall. You will not be enshrined with baseball's best. And I don't see anything changing with Clemens and Bonds in the future. And I think what's going to be even more significant is now that A-Rod's coming up next year. I was just about to say that. I think that's going to affect him. And you have, oh, 100%. To, you have to set that precedent because if you don't, people are going to keep taking it. And you don't want the great players to take that. Imagine Mike Trout was taking steroids. Imagine what that would do to him, you know? Like, if you're a great baseball player, you'll be a great baseball player. And that's what they prove it. 
I but mean, that's look the at terrible part. That's the terrible part about Bond and Clement and, and even A-Rod. They were all incredible before they were steroid. Bonds was an yeah. MVP. A-Rod was the best shortstop in baseball in Seattle. Clemens was the best pitcher in baseball for a long time. Seven Cy Youngs for Clemens. Seven MVP for Bonds. I think A-Rod has three. These are three of the top ten greatest talents that the game has ever seen. But with Bonds and Clemens not getting in, A-Rod will not get in and fall in that same footpath. And we'll just have to see where it goes from there. It will be an interesting – there might be another shutout next year. Honestly, there might be another shutout for baseball in the Hall of Fame. You don't think Big Poppy? Big Poppy, again, he has his name linked to steroids in 2003 on the report. Again, he's never been accused and convicted the same way Bonds and Clemens and A-Rod. Did. And I think Big Poppy will eventually get in, but I don't think he'll get in next year. I think Big Poppy definitely has the best chance. I definitely think Big Poppy has the best chance. I mean, like you said, maybe not next year, but maybe. You never know. Because he's unlike um, – what's his name? Schilling. He's, he's like, known for off the field, like, being good. Like, when he was, like, shot, like, when he was away, like, people were going crazy. I mean, people were so upset. I mean, I think he has the best shot next year in the class. He does. For- he, he definitely does, because Big Poppy's beloved in Boston in the New England area. He's beloved in the sport. He's the greatest DH to ever do it. His postseason number is a top five postseason hitter ever. Yeah, he's a so World I think Series he MVP. Definitely he definitely you know, he definitely does. I'm interested to see how his name linked to steroids, obviously not in the same way that Bonds, Clemens, and A-Rod is. I'm interested yeah. to see how his name being linked to steroids plays a role in how he's being inducted. I mean – I definitely don't think it will be as bad as these guys. Because no, it won't. It won't be. But the crucial thing is how much of a role will it play. And we'll find out next year with the voters. And we'll see how the public ballots come out next year because usually the public ballots usually lead towards steroid users. They usually put steroid users in. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, but, I mean, so that's really like baseball. I mean, not much else happened. I mean, Romoto resigned with the Phillies but other than and the Mets trade Mats yes Mets did trade Mats today for three prospects or last night I think yeah last night I think they're opening up space for Bauer I think that's what they're doing well yeah much. they said they offered him a three to four year just under the I think the was it the AAB or the the average annual Something highest like salary that. the AAPV yeah. or AAV Bauer's looking to get somewhere between 32 which was Cole or 36 which was Cole and 32 which was Strasburg Something in that, trying to break that record. And the Mets giving up mats for prospects is maybe opening that hole for him because they have death at that position. And yeah. then the Phillies with Ray Muto. Uh, I, I, mean, predict, I predicted this that, back that, in, uh, that, back that in December. Expected. Yeah, that was no, expected. It was. I mean, that's why, that's why the Mets, like, went from James McCann. I mean, because they didn't want to risk not getting the catcher. And then Ruo Muto, like, resigns. And then they're screwed in the catcher position. Oh, yeah. So they went with the safe route, and they signed James McCann. They didn't, want to I, drop, they didn't want to drop the $115 million that Ruo Muto. Yeah, they wanted, yeah. they wanted the money for Bauer. Agreed. What, everyone knows the Mets want Bauer. I saw that lot, uh, the Angels have no shot. That's why I read. Yeah, because their pitching coach, Mickey Callaway, has had issues with Bauer when he was back in Cleveland in 2013 and 2017. Their philosophies are very different in – and Bauer and Callaway, they said their, their relationship is beyond fixing. And there's no shot that the Angels get him, which is terrible for the Angels because 
they're the type of team that needs to go for pitching, but they also, they're in a little bit of salary cap issue. Their owner's never gone over 195 million and they're sitting at 185 right now. Bauer will push them over the salary cap. So I doubt the angels would make that move anyway. So right now the Mets look like the front runner. I, I think it's a perfect move for the Mets. You, you're going to look at their rotation. It's going to be Grom, Bowers, Syndergaard coming back, Stroman. You, you just got Carrasco from, from the Indians too. I mean, if they get Bauer, I think that really puts them like – That's the best rotation in baseball. It puts them in contention. You, it's got, it's the best rotation right now. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, when they didn't sign Brad Hand, I, I read that – don't be mad, Mets fans. There's bigger things to go after. And they meant Bauer. I mean, yeah, we've struggled in the bullpen. But I think personally Edwin Diaz can turn his career around. I think he has a shot. One year he was the best closer in baseball. He's young. We we traded for him. We traded for Robinson Cano. I mean, that's good that – I mean, bad for him that he got, like, suspended. But good for us. Clears the cap. I mean, I think he can make a comeback. If, I don't know about you, but I think he can do a decent enough job where he gets the job done and our starters can carry us and our lineup in hitting. Personally. Hopefully. The Mets will, the Mets will be good for year, uh, this year. Another team that's really been, you know, looking or needs a comeback is the Texans, who are probably in the worst position of any football team in the league right now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is terrible for them. Like, all of Houston, it's terrible for them. Like, you're losing all your stars. I mean, they signed Dan Tully. He's had a lot of experience, 40 years. 40 years in the league. But, like, Deshaun Watson doesn't care. Deshaun Watson went today and said, I want out. I want out of here. Get me out. And if you're him, you have to say that. They got no picks. They got no young talent. Where they got Laramie Tunsil. They're a mess. They got, they got Will Fuller, who's always hurt. Free agent. He's a free agent this yeah, year. And yeah. I mean, Deshaun's getting out. I don't think Deshaun will ever play a game for the Texans again. We've talked about this on a couple episodes, but what's your take, honestly? Well, before I even go into Watson, the funniest thing about the, D- the Dan Coley signing, or hiring, I should say, is that he, he's, he was the wide receivers coach of the Ravens, who were the 32-ranked wide receiving core this season. So you hired the worst wide receiving core. He's obviously, he has 40 years of experience. He's an ultimate professional. He's a great coach in the NFL. But if you wanted to keep Watson around, I don't know if Dan Coley was the solution to that. I don't think Watson – I think Watson clearly made his point that Dan Coley is not the solution to that. And for Watson, it's right now looking like a four-team race between the Niners, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Bears. All four teams have the packages to get the deal done. It's whoever wants to make the best deal. It's probably going to head into a bidding war. But Watson is the top five quarterback in the league. He's the type of guy that can completely alter a franchise. And, and I know you guys talked about it a lot, but I'm interested to see where Watson go right now. It's looking like the Jets and the Dolphins are the two leading competitors he for Watson. He did say we that this, we, we had this debate last that week. Kyle had some fake source saying he didn't say that. Had no proof whatsoever. He did not show me no tweets. But you got you got on Twitter, Alan Robinson, begging to go to New York. So He's begging. He's like saying, tweeting emojis. You got all the team tweeting emojis. But I'm pretty sure if Deshaun Watson goes to New York, Allen Robinson will follow. But 
is that the best thing for the Jets? Or do they go for someone like Joe Tooney and Kenny Galladay, who's a cheaper option? You still get a star wide, and you fix your interior line problem. Well, Rob, I, mean, oh, I love Robinson. Robinson is only 27, which amazes oh, no. me. I love Allen Robinson. I, I think Robinson is a, is a top 10 receiver in the league, and as good yeah, as Galladay and those other guys was, nobody makes a difference in the ballgame like Allen Robinson will. Yeah. He's played with some of the – most horrible quarterbacks in the <laughs> and league still the past few years. And he's a thousand yard receiver every year. He had a great season this year. He's great off the ball. He has great hands. He's a great route runner. He's an intelligent football player. And pairing him, possibly pairing him, this is all hypothetical, but yeah, possibly pairing him with Deshaun Watson with the Jets, that's as good I, as it can get for Jets fans. And if you could, if you could get that done with how much calf pace – the Jets do have. And they can get it done. They can. It's, it's something that they should they should pull that trigger because there's not many times in a franchise's history that somebody like Watson and Robinson can you can Want put to those go. guys together at the same time and you can still keep your financial stability intact. And you could still keep your draft capital. You still have Pete. You still have Darnold. I don't know if the deal will include Darnold, but you'll still have Darnold to trade if it doesn't. And you also, like like I said, you could go Joe Tooney or Galladay. I would prefer Robinson. I just think Robinson is a, like, sure thing, you know? Galladay's always hurt. Sure, Tooney would be great for the interior line. But you could draft that. You could find great late-round picks. You could find second-round pick guards who could develop, you know? So I oh, think personally – Yeah, Robinson's a decision-maker. Or he's a, he's a difference-maker, not a decision-maker. He's yeah, a true yeah. difference-maker. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll see. I mean, something might – some people think Watson might not be able to get out. Texans won't let him. And then we could see something like the Le'Veon Bell. He doesn't play. And we don't want that to happen. I'm not just saying that as a Jets fan. I'm saying that as a football fan. You don't want top five QB not to play. Why would you want that? I mean, I think it's best if the Texans do trade. They could get a lot. It could help them rebuild. And they make him happy, too, you know? Only time will tell how the Houston Texans will continue to surprise us in the world of football as they have done such a great job of surprising the football world these past couple of years. Yeah, they definitely have. I mean, it's, it's shocking what they've done. I, I, at least they got away from Bill O'Brien, right? Like – and he's sitting and he's sitting in this nice offensive coordinator job under Nick Saban in the best system in college football with the best talent in college football. And he's going to reshape his name, get a better job in the future. And the Texans are effed. And then he's going to screw that team over too. I mean, what, what else? I think he's not going to change, but I think that's all for today. Egan, thank you for joining us. I mean, Kyle will be back next week, but I'm sure we'll have you on the show again. But thank you for giving us your time and giving your input on what's the catch. I, I, I appreciate you having me. I had a great time, and I look forward to hopping on with Kyle and you and, you know, talking sports in the future. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you, guys.